Thanks for listening to the Pro Video Podcast, weekly insights into everything video. Here's the host, Blair Walker. Hi everyone, thanks for joining me on episode 8. This is a special episode where we are discussing 2017 NAB, one of the largest shows of the year for video announcements. NAB is an annual trade show and it's produced by the National Association of Broadcasters. It takes place every April in Las Vegas. With well over 100,000 attendees, it's definitely the premier destination for content creators. So, lots of entertainment and technology in the world of media. It's a really big show where all the leading brands announce what's coming out for the next year. On this episode, I'm joined by Chris Barr from Digital Video Technologies and John Waters from Swoon Media. We're going to get into some of the nitty-gritty of these releases and announcements and discuss how it possibly might affect the industry. Hope you enjoy this and get some golden nuggets about what tools you might want to upgrade to. All right, let's go to that conversation now. Thanks, Chris and John, for joining me in the studio. Chris, do you mind taking a couple of minutes, mate, and explain what your role in the industry is and how you fit into pro video? Yeah, um, I'm obviously asked along to um, contribute to this podcast in regards to NAB. Uh, I work for a company called Digital Video Technologies, or others know it as DVT. We are a reseller here in New Zealand for the professional side of, um, I guess, um, filmmaking and uh, documentary making. We sell cameras, um, edit systems, lighting, and really sort of there to provide support and um, uh, service to, to the industry, really. Awesome. And John... Thanks for coming back in again, mate. You're our regular guest. How are you going? Do you mind for the new listeners explaining how you fit into the pro video industry as well, mate? I'm the director of my own company, Swoon Media. I, I have been around for about 10 years and I you know, make videos and edit and do pretty much everything. Yeah, mainly corporate sort of stuff, a bit of advertising and that type of thing. Some of that beautiful advertising work is uh, done for us, so always <laughs> pleased when you're on our jobs. <clears throat> All right, basically we're going to bullet point the things that we think are the key highlights to come out of this year's NAB 2017 show and we're going to give our own insights and opinions on that and we're going to give you a few little tidbits about things that might not be so well known, a little bit of the insight into the smaller technologies or little features that will help you in your professional video career and what you're producing right now. So the first topic of our discussion tonight is going to be DaVinci Resolve 14, a huge release. DaVinci loves to own NAB with its announcements. They always come out big. Yeah, without a doubt. It used to be that Red were the little golden child with their announcements and shaking up the industry. Not this year. The strategy that Blackmatch has got uh, for um, penetration of product into market is beautiful. Mm, Make it free, make it available. It's pretty much got everything that anyone would ever want built into it prior to this version 14. Obviously, there's more improvements again. And then it's just a segue into wanting to need to buy the you know the full version um, for a bunch of reasons. I think it was their only choice, though, because initially, you know, they didn't have a big market. They were very high end and, um, and you know, really resolved before Blackmagic owned it was you know, would have been a very small user base. It was a very good product, but um, nobody really knew about it outside of color grading houses. Yeah. The only real choice was to release a free version, get it out there, get a lot of people using it, and then, you know, and then try and build up from there. And the smart thing, though, is it ties in, you know, you take DaVinci, you want DaVinci, it's free, people want to use it, but if you want output or you want input, 
you're buying their product. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's all it's a smart business hardware, decision. You know? Yeah. I mean, the scopes are you know, pretty sort of low res, so you definitely need the scopes package to do good grading on. Yeah. Um, and most of the ins and outs, you're going to buy Blackmagic products to, to do it. You know? Yeah. On your point, John, just for those who aren't sure where DaVinci's history is, it was a leading color grading turnkey solution where you're buying hardware and the software. And it was ranging from $300,000 upwards, depending on the suites that you're buying. And there would have been a service contract on that as well. Yeah. So this in the, in the space of really the last decade, but it was pretty much overnight, Blackmagic bought DaVinci and revolutionized an industry by making it free with the paid version having more features such as really good noise removal. But this new release, they've dropped the price on the paid version as well. Yeah, they've gone from, oh, we'll just talk US dollars at the moment until we get it converted to New Zealand. It's, well, for New Zealand, we approximately think it's about $4.95, um, but we're yet to process that price. Um, but $9.99 US down to $2.99. I mean, that's a phenomenal drop, and that's a very aggressive approach. And now it's got a lot more editing features and also an amazing upgrade with its audio capabilities through a purchase. Yeah, they purchased Fairlight. Uh, I don't know what Fairlight's the company name, but Fairlight the product. And that was purchased back in September. Well, the announcement was last year, September. And they've quite quickly rushed it through and put it into um, DaVinci Resolve, which is great to see. It's really sort of a product now. If you want to do more audio editing, it's really designed around um, you know videographers, uh, documentary makers, and filmmakers. You don't have to be a sound editor necessarily to use this product. And that's a pretty smart move by DaVinci. Adobe has a very strong audio um, software package with Audition, but Audition is catering to the wider market. It's not just focused at video, documentary, film workflows. It's also for podcasters and exactly. straight audio. It's an independent product in its own right, yeah. as where obviously DaVinci Resolve is a one-on-all solution. It's a, it's a pipeline. Mm. You know, you well, well, that's the big advantage, isn't it? It's not round tripping. It's it's you know you're clicking on a tab and you're going into the next sort of area, which is you know that's such a nice idea. Yeah, totally. Do you think that this is going to really shift the market? Well, it really depends. I mean, the other part of the, one of the key features, obviously, is their collaboration tool. So for the mm. bigger organisations deciding on what NLE option is best for them. Um, will come down to the acceptance and how people uh, receive the collaboration tool. And that that feature set that's built into DaVinci um, Resolve 14 looks really good and it seems to be up and running. Currently, obviously, we're only in um, public beta mm. and there's still bugs. Mm. Um, but I'm sure Blackmagic with their team will, will iron those out. They do seem to have a very good software team. There's no doubt about it. You know, they've, they've developed a lot and they've developed it very quickly. And to be honest, I mean, I haven't experienced a lot of bugs with, with um, grading and Resolve, and I've done a bit of that. Um, I don't edit in, in the program, but um, it'll be interested to see how it goes. I think that we're in a really cool era now where I'm looking at my own facility and what we're producing, and it's really going to come down to the project and the approach. We're not going to have to pick one tool or the other as our in-house software. We can have the full Adobe suite and DaVinci and go for this project, it is better for us to go with DaVinci so that we can have the colorist grading at the same time and have that collaborative um, feature accessible, whereas it's a little bit more of a manual um, process with Adobe, with Premiere and After Effects and things. 
unless you're on team account or enterprise. Yeah, totally. They've obviously skipped that whole service contract requirement to go for the team collaborative cloud-based service and mm. providing you're on the same network at this stage, it's all built in, ready to go. And one of the key features that they were talking about is larger facilities that might be not having internet connect- connectivity to these machines because of um, fear of viruses and whatnot. There's, in, there's chat within the app as well. So you can chat to other people throughout your facility yeah. through this software without needing internet, which is a great feature. Yeah, yeah, simple but smart. And keeping all that information in the project as well. Once again, I'm loving the idea of having intellectual knowledge and property associated with the project with the project, yes. not written down somewhere. Yep, totally. Now, there was, and there was a look, I looked at the, um, uh, one of the videos today and there's a ton of smaller things that I can't quite remember what they all are. There's a bunch of plugins that are in there now. Uh, some very simple um, information that you can get to show up, or such as a waveform um, underneath your preview. Directly yeah, under- I thought that was a great idea, actually, for, for, doing, for cutting interviews. That's an absolutely brilliant idea. It made sense. Yeah, yeah. Yes, I saw some of those effects. I think it would be interesting to see how they develop them over time. A lot of them wouldn't be used in an everyday production, um, such as the watercolour, but I'd love to see the first yeah. doco. Music videos, man, music videos. <laughs> <laughs> One of the features I really liked, though, was the face tracking and the ability mm. to do some um, beauty fix-up really quickly and intuitive um, and resolve has had the best tracker for yeah, a long time. Yeah. So I think... Listen it, to this, Adobe. <laughs> um, I think that the ability to quickly polish is, is something that everybody's going to look at without heavy-duty lifting. So smooth out some skins but sharpen the eyes. You can do on every shot really quickly. That's a really awesome feature. Yeah, that's yeah. great. Absolutely I, brilliant. I also saw they included a new stabilizer or they've updated the stabilizer to, I'm not quite sure myself, but um, they've made some improvements in that space as well. Mm. Their stabilizer wasn't flash. Should be something that they, they have. Just improvements made. on it, basically. Mm. Yeah. You know. It's a really exciting time to have these cost effective tools to be able to do what's right for individual projects and not invest in one suite and be dedicated to only that. I think basically at the moment, if you're a student and you're looking at choosing an NLE and you're trying to learn something at the moment, then free's good, you know, <laughs> free's good. But obviously on that note, then obviously you've got... Um, you got to look at where the jobs are, I guess. Yeah. Um, you know, so who is the same debt? I mean, what what market are they really trying to conquer here? Obviously, collaborative um, workflows. You know, you're talking episodics and larger networks. Um, not that many of us will work on, on edits as such in a collaborative way. No. Um, so I think they are definitely aimed at the bigger networks and, and, um, and the larger, you know, Hollywood, basically. Yeah. So they're, they're targeting Avid in a big way. Yeah. And Avid have come out with an announcement that they will be releasing their free NLE, which has been two years in the making, really, because that announcement came out in 2015, and now they're saying that it will be available in June... Soon. 2017. <laughs> well, clearly they've seen, obviously, Blackmagic's success yep. in free. You know? I don't know if it's going to work for Avid, though, is it? Well, Holly, well, look at Hollywood. Hollywood is very Avid-orientated. Okay? Sure. So it's if you're all going to learn a tool yeah. so that you can get into, if you're going to be in the US, and you can get into that market space, and there'll be Avid. But these days, it's Who not. A, but it's not about is. the tool. It's about your creativity as an editor. So 
if you've been told that that's the tool you're going to use, that should not be an issue these days. I mean, it's all the tools are available readily, um, and if you haven't played with all of them, you know, during a, you know, sort of a career, then you're clearly not getting a diverse range of work. You know, from from an from an editing point of view, though, there's only certain sort of software that you want to use once you're comfortable with one. You know, this is why Avid's got that locked in kind of area because the people that are that are working, you know, the respected editors, that's what they want to edit on. So I guess um, for you, Blair, and with um, with the organisation you work for, I guess having a collective range of options for freelancers is really key. See, that's where uh, in New Zealand uh, the freelance pool is very much premier. I see what Final Cut Pro X is capable of and I think that it's an amazing product. But hardware-wise, we're we're limited now that we're on Windows. But also, it's about the pool of talent. I personally think Avid's late to the game, and they might be too late because those people who are studying, I think that they're picking up Premiere and Final Cut a lot easier because it's more intuitive. So Avid's king of the hill in, in Hollywood, sure. But I would say that people would see their ability to make money and content Hollywood's becoming a much smaller and smaller market every day. And, you know, you also got to think that, that, that it's a different kettle of fish to some degree. It is a very specialised little sort of niche of the industry. And it's definitely not the majority of video editing that's done now. You know, there's a lot of different parts of the industry and, and the web is a massive part of it. Well, look, the cost of setting up your own business to actually start creating content is very much more affordable than it's ever been and it's only ever getting cheaper mm. i mean the software's cheaper in the sense that it's free yep. it's just the hardware cameras are coming down in price more features built into it so in terms of creating content for corporates or your own i concept for like a documentary well you know this is one thing that we were talking about um, earlier on you know the the ability to have a, a small device that's able to um, shoot a 4k image and then crop into that and you can edit on the fly with an iPad, or you know, we, we looked at a couple that were that have been released um, at NAB, and um, ones that people at NAB are using to to broadcast out to to the net. And you know, these things that are controllable on your iPhone or, or Android phone, and you can basically do an interview and an edit as on the fly as you're going as you're broadcasting live. Oh, that's something like the movie, uh, the the Mevo. Sorry, for, yeah, the yeah. Mevo. So Mevo was out. Then they announced that they came out last year and sort of teamed up with live streams. So that mm, particular mm. product is like I think you can take a single four K camera feed and um, have three different camera angles, a wide and two close ups. Yep. Uh, which makes it quite a powerful tool. And obviously that can then tie directly into your Facebook Live mm, um, yeah. or directly into live stream. And that's where the audience is really aimed at now. It's interesting to see how massive Facebook video has become and how hard they are promoting it and trying to drive viewers to Facebook with these live feeds. And everybody's output is driven at Facebook and YouTube. And YouTube is obviously the king of content when it comes to video. But then you've got channels like Twitch, live streams that are lasting hours and hours and these tools are really aimed at this market sling sling studio was one that i thought was quite interesting Mm. where again uh, multiple cameras it could be an iphone could be a professional camera and then using the ipad again to do live switching and drag and drop the various cameras and doing multi-camera all controlled on the ipad Mm. all controlled from a small unit that can be portable the the days of having a large studio 
to get a live feed out as, as numbers. <laughs> yeah. That's basically what it comes down to is getting an audience. And we're seeing a, a higher um, degree of disposability in, in video content. And that's what it comes down to is, is creating more and more um, content uh, in a cheaper, faster, more efficient way. Chris, do you mind talking about Bird Dog and NDI? Yeah, so one of the um, first time at NAB show this year was a company called Bird Dog. Um, basically what it does, uh, Bird Dog's device takes a baseband video. What I mean by that is SDI or HDMI. Convert that into an IP signal to make it available as a video source to new techs vision switches. Um, and it just shows up as a source um, on, on the vision switcher. The bird dog also acts as a basic converter, so if you were using it at the time, if you were going HDMI in, you can loop out HDI. Um, and lastly, it's got tally on it. So if you're looking at setting up a studio um, or a church or you've got a school that wants to set up a little uh, new studio, uh, what New Tech have basically done has allowed organisations to potentially use existing infrastructure, it does depend on the cat cable that you're using, and take existing cameras and make them available. So you can literally be anywhere within the building and have your vision switcher in another room. It doesn't have to be where the actual cameras are and actually switching your live production uh, ready to go, whether it's out to the internet or whether you want to you know, record it and then edit it later on. And sort of the whole NDI thing, uh, I think sort of came about from the days when they had IVGA, which was their protocol from getting computer screen or computers into uh, into their vision switches. They've just obviously carried on with that, and now what we're seeing is a a really ra- rounded area. So, like IP video is ultimately the direction where broadcast is going for. Um, What's IP video? IP video. So basically, rather than using SDI uh, cabling or BNC, depending as you call it, or HDMI cabling, uh, we're converting the signal into an I, um, uh, IP, uh, yeah, basically taking a video over CAT cable. Yeah, CAT 6 or CAT 5. That's correct. So, um, And that's obviously uh, cabling that's potentially already existing in um, buildings. Um, if it's not and it's a new building that you're about to do, it's easier to get that cable than it is to try and get a bunch of, you know, BNC, SDI. It's very cheap compared to coax. <laughs> yeah, very cheap. So, yeah, yeah. And the cabling guys, I love you. I think like other big broadcasters are pretty much held up by SDI cable, the amount yeah. of stuff that runs through those buildings. So it really does simplify the cost of setting up um, a studio um, if you really wanted to. So New Tech have also got, uh, they also announced prior to NAB a thing called the TC1 Vision Switch, I think it's called. I might be wrong in that. But um, that's their new IP, pure IP-based video switcher. So um, it'll take up to, say, 16 IP video streams and uh, make that available to the vision switcher, which is a turnkey piece of um, hardware to be switched amongst um, other sources. So you can also bring in computer screen or your computer information through, so running a, um, a little bit of application on your computer that'll come through. Panasonic has some cameras that, are, uh, that uh, push out an H.264 camera, PTZ cameras, that can then be converted into NDI via Utex, a little bit of software called NDI Convert and it will convert it and make it available on the network. That's great thing about IP, guys. It's like we can now take the signals, and I don't have to record them with the vision switch. I can have another system set up purely to ISO record all those video streams. 
It's really a democratization of something that costs so much previously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's still a bit of a premium product. I mean, in terms of vision switching and bits and pieces, is, there is a multitude of ways of cutting it and doing it. Um, but if you're setting up a studio and you want to uh, basically be like a little broadcaster in your own right, new tech basically have uh, multiple options actually available in their, in their staple of products. The other thing, I was, like I said, touched on before is, you know, these products do allow you to stream directly to the internet, to whatever platform you want, be it Twitch, be it YouTube Live, Facebook Live. Once again, that can all be done via their vision switching um, equipment. Awesome. John, do we want to talk about Panasonic? Because you were touching on the Panasonic camera. Panasonic secret surprise camera. Did you see that one? Yeah, it's the, the, the silhouette. Nothing to talk about. There's nothing to talk about. So we can all sit here and speculate. Yeah. One Should can, we talk about? Should yeah. we talk about what's not to talk about? Well, I think well, it's, I it's think a great it's, market. It's pretty shit, obvious yeah. where it's going to fit into the market, isn't it? It's, it's going to be below their... Vericam Alta. Vericam, um, and it'll be, uh, it'll be a replacement for their... AF100. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it's uh, they've touted that it looks like to be thirty-five mil. Yeah, which uh, is I wonder what sort of inch, what um, lens mount it'll be. EF. That would be a bit of a stab, wouldn't it? It's a. That's probably the most obvious. You know, the market that they're targeting can't afford PL. I don't know if any of the other larger manufacturers, camera manufacturers, have have ever released an EF mount though. Uh, Panas- well, no, well, Panasonic with a Vericam on the top end yeah. did have an EF mount option. Yeah, but it's not. Is it, but it was a, it was a removable exactly, thing that yeah. you could actually change out. as well. Correct. Yeah, yeah. So, um, look, it looks interesting. If it probably comes out and it, and it ticks all the boxes, like 4K, off speed. They've got the technology there. The GH5 has been, you know, a, a huge success. And they'll probably use the P2 codec that they've been using in the other cameras as well, which is a great codec. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah, definitely playing the mystery hand, that yeah, one. Yeah, certainly are. They're not giving too much information about it. Well, so Cine Gear apparently is when we're going to find out. Yeah. So that's June, I believe. They're going to have to follow through. Otherwise, they're going to yeah, look a bit silly. egg on their face. Yeah. <laughs> okay, one, one thing that I think is kind of interesting is is Apple hiring Tim Dashwood, um, who has created the VR plugins for um, 360 VR plugins for... Premiere Pro and for um, Final Cut Pro 10. Um, and it's interesting that um, that Apple have taken that move and it makes you wonder which direction they're going with it, whether it's for phone technology or... Um, but it's it's on the Final Cut Pro team, so... I missed that yeah. one, actually. Yeah. Um, and that's was that announced the, at NAB? Yeah, it was. And, um, and also, you know, it's made the, those plugins free on the Mac platform, not, not so much on the P... PC platform, but um, for both Premiere and and for Final Cut. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what comes out of that. Well, the whole VR space is obviously ever-growing. Okay. Yeah. yeah. There's, everyone's obviously fighting well, for got, that space. Yeah, we've got GoPro announcing a VR camera, which is pretty obvious. They've got the sensors. They've got the sort of market. Most of the, the VR that's shot at the moment is using lots of GoPros. So, <laughs> Yeah, well, they purchased um, Color. Uh, I have no idea how to pronounce that, which is basically um, Gigapano Stitcher, which is great for stitching um, 360 cameras, oh, not 360 cameras, normal cameras into a 360 video. So it can, makes complete sense if they can tie those two together and make that process 
more streamlined where you're not having to manually stitch and fix up. Um, not exactly streamlined at the moment, is it? Well, no, it's easy enough to stitch video. That's not hard, but it's hard to get 360 video stitched. And I'm talking about multiple HD cameras at least so that your final 360 video is really high resolution because the problem with 360 is you can buy a little little theater or fly or whatever but when you're looking at 360 video and it's a small um, resolution you can see how it falls apart so you want to get multiple cameras whether that's at least three or up to six or more stitch those together and have a really high resolution experience of your 360 the problem is that an automated 360 stitch works by basically looking at a point in space and stitching that point in space. So if you've got something moving close to those cameras, it's going to tear. So you have to do multiple stitches, a little bit of roto. It's, 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 it's not an easy fix. No. But if GoPro can build the smarts of the sensor in with the smarts of the software and streamline that process... VR's definitely in the early days, there's no doubt about it. You know, there's, we're going to see massive, you know, revolution as such. I think we're production. sitting in the cinema, all of us right now, around the world, we're sitting in the cinema and we're all watching this train come through, standing up about to run out of the room, scared that it's going to collide into us. It's the same moment that we were in cinema yeah. well over 100 years ago, where it's a new form and we have to create this language and understanding and know what VR and the experience of VR, it's a whole new language. I think it's more about the application as well. Mm. Just because you can do VR... Yeah, doesn't mean you should. Doesn't mean you should. And but it's a great Pretty PR. cliche sort of <laughs> statement. It's, but it's not going to be hot on documentaries. <laughs> no, no. I think VR should be like tied to PR at the moment. <laughs> yeah, very much. I, mean, I think the, uh, the, the corporate videos. customers are starting to obviously look at using that to promote their product or service, which... Sometimes works, but then sometimes I'm like, well, whenever something new comes along, they're they're quick to jump on it. How can we use this? You know, got to either be first to market or, or, or really <laughs> or do it good. better than anybody else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's the thing with the stitching software is that no one's necessarily first to market. Everyone's still trying to figure out the best way of doing that. And I think that's why we're still in such limbo land in terms of standardization for. VR systems. There's nothing. Yeah. Everyone's still chasing. It's you know, everyone's learning as the years go on now. So, yeah. Are we going to are we going to go through the um, Adobe updates, the ones that they ripped off Final Cut Pro ten? Now, 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 now. I'm a, I'm a big, a big Adobe lover. <laughs> we all know this. <laughs> a special place in my heart for Adobe. No, <laughs> there was some great announcement that came out. I think specifically for me. Uh, I have such a they big involvement. They ditched that bloody title tool. <laughs> <laughs> they ditched the title tool. It's been a long time coming. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a motion graphic designer by trade. Um, so the graphics tool in Premiere was hard work. Let's Horrible. just say that. Um, if I want to show someone how to crash Premiere, I basically put some high-quality footage in behind a title and try and scrub. Mm. <laughs> But I'm really glad to see that we've we've had a little bit of putting up with that tool because they've come out with something really significant, and that's the essentials, essential graphics, which is available in After Effects and also Premiere. Um, so you can really create a lot of dynamic, controllable graphics in Premiere with a modern tool, but you can also set those same graphics up in After Effects and decide which parameters you want to populate to the essential graphics panel. 
and then you can have that as a template to modify the titles, the scales, the color, anything that you can think of that has a slider. It's a game changer for Premiere. <laughs> and John's looking at me giggling because there's been features like this in Final Cut Pro X since it, since it launched. Six years. Because what they did with Final Cut Pro X is they made Motion pretty much a plug-in tool where you could develop what, Premiere is now doing with After Effects with the essential graphics where you could make whatever asset what's the right word for this? Parameter. Uh, you, yeah, you can you can publish parameters from yeah. motion through into to Final Cut to, for generators and and um, and templates. And also um, the basically they've written the entire motion engine into Final Cut. So anything that's three D um, you know can be uh, manipulated within uh, final cut and you can even have three 3d drop zones and that type of thing so you can have a, a plane that's on a 3d surface that you can drop in footage and final cut i don't know if they've taken the essentials quite that far yet have they with premiere no i think it's first step yeah. I, I think it's a big yeah. first step too and yeah I, th- I think it's massive i mean it, you know definitely a, a, a needed change because Really, a lot of people that are using Premiere are using it in conjunction with After Effects. That's the whole sort of um, tie-in, the whole the whole reason for it, and thus they're doing graphics within the time timeline. They're they're wanting to um, expand the amount of graphics that they can do within Premiere, which, which definitely does that. It's interesting to see as DaVinci has launched with its updates where it's got audio and um, new features inside the one package. Premiere is doing a very similar thing with making more audio features available, more graphic features available mm. within the NLE. I think they've seen the trend, you know, definitely you know, with Final Cut, there's all the logic filters that are available within Final Cut for editing audio. Within DaVinci, they've obviously got a whole new um, window for for editing audio, and um, you know, and also we haven't really mentioned Fusion, um, no, uh, which is an absolutely incredible package from from Blackmagic. Yeah, we'll stick to the NAB announcements. We'll yeah. be here all night. Up there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but when you when you bring that into the package of things, I think you know um, definitely Blackmagic have got a lot to offer in that respect. Again, they they made a very very usable visual effects tool free, uh, complete democratization. That's what I think about when I think of Blackmagic and the software that they have purchased and make available to the industry. Mm, and yeah, their 4K totally. cameras being you know under 10K. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah, the, the, that camera's just amazing. That's everything that everyone's wanted, finally, in terms of a camera. Except for good low light. <laughs> <laughs> There's compromises under There's 10K, mate. <laughs> I think we're in the generation, though, where we just like, we, what, just, want we just want everything. Yeah, and I want the everything one thing. I want it now, I want it cheap. Dude, I hear that all the time when, like, uh, certain vendors release certain things, saying, why didn't they just do this? Well, they do have that, and it happens to be another $10,000 more. It's not that they haven't done it, it's just mm. you're saying it's not at the price point you want exactly. yeah, yeah um, I think that there's been a bit of flack from um, users with Camium oh god today's hard camera manufacturers holding back features that are available in tools and saying why are they not making well, it available I think has been very guilty of that yeah and yep. a lot of people have said why haven't they basically hired all the guys from um, the hack 
5D hacks. Oh, Magic Lantern. Like, yeah, yeah Magic Lantern. You know, it's so many times that they've shown what is truly available in the or Canon what, hardware. what it's capable of doing. Yeah. And, and, although I do hear that there is a release for the 5D Mark IV where they'll have zebras and... Um, peaking and that type of thing so they're giving a lot of the video features that people have been requesting for a while okay so let's talk about our next subject chris what what one would you like to touch on um let's talk about i guess what dji sort of um bought this year to nab yeah the dji have come to the broadcast industry in, in a much bigger way than they ever have before generally speaking they were more consumer based would you say yeah when i first went to nab my i think it was my first time going to nab that was the first time they were there, I believe, and that's when they re- released the Phantom, and that went, that was amazing. Second year, bigger again. Third year, they've got bigger again. Their stand, apparently, this year is just ginormous compared to other years. But smart, definitely, definitely more directed at the at the broadcast market this year. They're just Well, not uh, broadcast market. I think overall. Filming market. Filming, yeah, filming. So basically, they've got, uh, I think it was sort of three new products I can think of. They've got the new goggles that they released, and that is basically designed so as a... Uh, operator of a drone you basically use your head to turn uh, the direction turn and tilt yep. and so forth they've got the new con- uh, universal controller um, for flying um, and then the one of the big ones i noticed uh, which is obviously the new ronin 2 mm. which is a replacement for, well not a replacement it's just an addition i guess to the original ronin yep. uh, which is really they've really thought about this they've really talked to the um, filmmakers and those that have been using the equipment and made some, you know, some significant changes and improvements to to their product. So now it can hold up to thirteen kg, I believe, uh, designed for bigger cameras with bigger lenses. Uh, you've got the ability to, for fine adjustments. So rather than having to take your camera off the rig to try and calibrate it, they've got these little knobs for just ever so slight fine adjustments. It's five times the torque of their previous models. They've got hot swappable batteries on the top of the unit. And they're the same batteries that are on other products in the DJI lineup no, as well. No, they look different, I think. No, I, I might be wrong. Something, and um, that was one of the highlights that, that they were pointing out. Oh, cool. Um, and then obviously the other part of it is that the ability to get to the controls is on our LCD on the back of the actual unit. So if you aren't anywhere near that you are like an iPad or whether the controller, you can actually access it directly off this, um, I guess, uh, not rain, you know, not it's not waterproof, but a water sort of resistant sort of panel, mm. and it's available. Um, but look, if you if you own a GH5, you own a DSLR camera. This is not the tool for no. you. <laughs> Go for the Ronin M. Um, but for those that have got the bigger sort of reds and bigger glass, uh, with the ability for um, extensions, like I think there's a 50 mil extension available as well. It's a it's a good step in the right direction. Well, even the original Ronin, you know, was considerably heavy piece of equipment so well look i don't think you'd be sort of holding on to this for a long time, um, time. <laughs> but even even in saying that you know even with an original rain and all in the ronin m if you're doing long shoots you're going to want to run with it like a, a steady rig yeah basically yeah. just to save your yeah. back there's health and safety and all this yeah, eh? exactly. <laughs> so those dual batteries are going to be more than enough and hot swappable <laughs> <laughs> you're true yeah. Unless you, I don't know, it depends on how, how fit and healthy you are, eh? You know, the, the gimbal market is something that, that really has taken off. And, and, you know, I think we saw last NAB, there was a lot of gimbals out there. But since, uh, in the last two years at least, they have really refined them. You know, and there's some really good techniques out there for, for some of the smaller ones as well, the GH5 type um, size. Yes. Um, there's some very sophisticated 
uh, units out there now that can swap around from being a single handheld to, to a double handle um, with iPhone um, software that, that can make adjustments and, and tracking. And totally. Kind of I think if you're a filmmaker, you, you, you know, any of those types of tools, depending on the gear that you own, is important. You know, movement and motion in your um, filmmaking or storytelling is quite important rather than sort of um, static tripod shots and it's yeah. quite easy to do so you know um I, I had a great i had a customer actually do a good corporate video of someone walking down a gravel road he was in the back of the um back of the uh wagon door up and him holding it but mm. you wouldn't know that he was doing that it just it looked yep. amazing I, i've had one for over a year now and, and i use it with a gh4 and it's just fantastic um i've used it in you know going across farms in a four-wheel drive and and filming the driver and and you wouldn't you wouldn't believe how much shaking around I'm doing compared to, to you know what the what the camera's doing. So yeah, they're definitely an asset. I think most people probably pretty much a necessary part of the kit now. I'd say so. Yeah. And for those who are creating video that's streaming live with face, Facebook Live or YouTube, and you are on an iPhone, there's a huge amount of iPhone gimbals that have released this year. I'm just um, brought one up now that I was looking at earlier, which is. Um, the Fuyu Tech iPhone gimbals really cost-effective as well, and even um, switching between landscape and portrait for these social media, which is like I know one button, one button to to click. I, I hate the idea of portrait video. <laughs> I'm a bit old school there, yeah. but no, I'm with you. <laughs> but but you that's know, what the market's wanting, and and control for um, record. And stop on, on the actual handle itself, so it Bluetooths into the phone, which is absolutely brilliant. So the one-man band live stream video, you don't need to be investing a lot. Smartphone and a big gimbal. corporates yeah. are the same because big corporates are spending huge amounts of money on getting content created, mm. and they've got existing tools that people within the organisation know how to use. Yeah, they just need it stabilised. Yeah, and and that's that's the one thing that adds so much production value. Totally. That and lighting. I think yeah, lighting yeah, yeah. You, you can't take lighting out of it. Casey Knight's that thing, isn't it? You know, zooming yeah. along on your on your powered skateboard through the traffic. Well, the the <laughs> thing is, is the the best camera you can own is the one that you have on you, mm. and that's why I sold all my DSLR DSLR kit. I had a big bulky um, Canon. <laughs> <laughs> With a beautiful L-series um, lens, but the reality was when you're going out with your family, lugging around a big backpack, um, the iPhone is what I'm using, mm, and so it produces great imagery. I'm really, really keen to see what the Google Pixel 2 is, because I think that's the one I'll be wanting, but that's not an NAB announcement. But no, yeah. no, but I've got one more announcement for NAB on that note, though, um, that I can think of, which was Atomos. So Atomos, mm-hmm. obviously... A big into on-camera monitor with recording capabilities. Um, they have now just released their first um, big screen monitor away from their seven inch. Is now they've gone to a nineteen inch. Wow, that's a big step up. Yeah, quite a big step up. Mm-hmm. So that'll be, it's got quad split in, so you can take you know four K up to sixty P, um, or you could do four. You could do actually live switching with this. You could take four HD HD streams and switch it. Or you could take four HD streams and ISO record it, so you can use it for like onset DIT if need be. Wow. Yeah, it's very much um, aimed at onset video village, isn't it? Yeah, very much so. I mean, because you got straight into a codec that everyone wants. Mm. Yep. Um, and I think that's coming out. Uh, I think later on the sort of second quarter, anyway, as well. Yeah, that'll be interesting. Awesome. I think it was interesting with Blackmagic um, in terms of the as the brand though. This year was very different for them. They've actually obviously announced 
things prior to to NAB this time. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think they realised that this whole DaVinci thing was going to be quite big. Mm. Now, I don't think some of these other products would have necessarily got lost. So they released the Hyperdeck Mini. Yep. The Ursa Mini Pro, the Television Studio HD, their Vision Switches. They got the Television yeah, Studio, yeah. but they released those all on the same day, didn't they? Yeah, all at the same time. Um, the web streamer, the web, web, yep. web presenter. Yeah. So yeah, they've actually. This otherwise we would have been talking potentially a bit more about Black Magic yeah. this year, but there are some products that have just sort of. I still think got lost because they didn't do that. You look at the consoles. They've got a number of consoles yeah, console that are being re- released as well yeah. that are working directly with Resolve. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. Um, actually, on that note as well, so we've got the consoles. They were talking about color grading. If you're into grading, obviously, they announced the micro and the mini mm. panel. Um, I like the way that they sort of mock up an area with models for, for the photographs that sort of... The Alpine model <laughs> edit suite. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm on a Facebook group for... Um, it is sweet. It is sweet stories. So good. And and one of the it was so funny. I was looking at this last night, and it was like, why did Black Magic have all the edit suites in the Alpines? And yeah. this it's is a, an it's unrealistic a funny part of Australia. <laughs> <laughs> and then everyone was photoshopping in what a real edit suite was, and there was one where it was just cans and rubbish, and then there was one with a plate <laughs> of plate. <laughs> someone said, "Where's all the biscuits for the edit suite?" So there's photoshopped in the plate of biscuits, and it's like. Then there's a photo with um, cocaine and rails in it. A little bit bit 80s. But yeah, everyone was going to town with uh, Blackmagic's marketing. And on that note, I think it's brilliant the way that Blackmagic are approaching sales and that they are like the gateway drug of high-end equipment. It just makes sense because when you start out, you want to learn a tool so that you can sell your craft. And then as you sell your craft, you start thinking, I need to be more efficient and, and the cycle goes on. So they're going to grow with you. And you're going to remember and be passionate about the person that offered you that first thing for free. Yeah, totally. First <laughs> <laughs> tip. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, the cameras are definitely good. No doubt about it. I mean, but you talk to the high end people, they won't use them. Though. No, you see, know, it's, it's, you're not going to see a you're not going to see any DOPs demanding a, a black magic. Okay. Camera. So here in New Zealand, so the biggest thing is if you're going to buy a camera, what are you going to buy? And that's always the biggest question, okay? My biggest, depending on the person and who they're associated with, I guess, is who, what are the circles you run in? That's, that's the key. So if you're running in the reality TV market or you're, you know, you're running in even the commercial market, Sony's cameras have it covered. Pretty the F5, much. the FS7 to the mount, the A7 actually gets people used. People employ you on the camera that you have. Correct. Rather than your creativity. Now, Black Ma- that's not going to say that Black Magic cameras aren't great. They're amazing. The color science that they have and what they're able to get out of their senses is, is, is astonishing. Um, it's just, it's a perception thing. And the thing is, it's to do with producers. Producers go, oh, I've been told I need this because the DOP has a vested interest that they want, they want this. To use this. Yeah. I want to use an Arri Mini, yeah. <laughs> which is... Yeah. Well, that's the, that, you know, that's the flavor of the month at the moment. Yeah, totally. Um, but overseas, Black Magic's massive, like in terms of people using their 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 cameras for even high-end commercial work yeah. it's just a it's a market perception um i think it's a generational um adoption too uh you know adoption of technology can at times be generation and cultural 
and there's going to be a generation where it's just about producing content. And yeah. It seems to be video. going that way. I, you know, but uh, that's a different area of the market. In the pro video, in Auckland anyway, we've got three cameras, haven't we? We've got Reds for advertising. Yes. And we've got Sony for... Well, Red and Mini. Ari Minis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Ari's more, um, more your episodic, your dramas. All the dramas are all Ari. Yeah. Uh, we've had a lot of content that's been shot on Ari. It yeah. holds up. Yeah. We're, you know, a lot oh, of commercial yeah. Yeah, content. But, but it's Red's so are, good. Red's are favourites in the, in the advertising. It's interesting, though, because you look at Shortland Street now. It's gone very cam yeah. um, in terms of episodic. And yeah. you've now got um, uh, the uh, Filthy Rich, the second season, being shot in very cam. Yeah. Um, so there's a bit of a change. Yeah, that Panasonic's coming because of that high ISO, you know. Yeah, so you've got the two circuits. You've got the ISO 800 and ISO 5000, and that's very unique. Yeah. And I mean, it's not, a native. It's not a, it's not a gain push, you know. No, not at all. So but the thing <laughs> is, if you're going up towards the 4000 ISO, the chances are you're going to pop into 5000 circuitry um, and then punch that down, back down yeah. and get back to where you want it to be. Yeah. And, the, you know, that's part of the, 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 the appeal to those cameras, but not just that. It, it looks amazing. It's got uh, a, uh, And that's where Canon's stuffed up because... There's no party trick, you know. All the other ca- cameras that came out had a party trick, and that was Panasonic's party trick. But um, Canon, they just released what everybody else had. Yeah, we've got this. So the C700, which is one of the um, the newer cameras to the market, so it um, it's a different sensor, records ProRes on board. It has the intra codec. I can't remember what it is again on on board. Yeah, uh, I can record up to 120 frames per second, I believe, in 4K. Um, Look, don't get me wrong. Images are amazing. I love Canon's imagery. Yeah, um, me too. That's and what, I think that particular, I, <laughs> I think I think that camera itself is really, if you think it's sort of at, at its price point where it's at, it's really a, either you have got a unique project and they, they can justify it, or you're very much going in. It's going into a rental house and you mm. choose it as a rental option. Yeah. But then it's up against. Ari. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Okay. Awesome. Sigworthy. <laughs> <laughs> Completely not relevant to NAB whatsoever. Nothing. Uh, well, you know, they've obviously announced it before NAB. Oh yeah, I'd, I'd love good. to see the image out of that camera, though, because, I mean... There's I'm, a demo camera kicking around. I'm absolutely am- amazed at how good the image is out of a C100 with the, how compressed it is. You know, I still look at it on, on my full HD monitor and just go, that is incredible for the, for the size that it is. I generally grab the C300 Mark II. Yeah, I love that, that camera. That is an awesome camera. That's that's the camera. The I've images are gorgeous. The, the they grade they, really, really well. The only thing they're stuffed up with it is the the shape of it. See, so, yeah, they want to, everybody wants something. So that's where know. they went with the C seven hundred. But I know everyone everyone wants it at the FS seven, FS five sort of price point. But not just mm. the price point, but the form factor. But uh, but I have a C three hundred Mark II over a FS seven any day for for image. Yeah, totally for image. Because you know, that plasticky image that comes out of the Sony's, I just don't, really don't like. So it's interesting. So you've got the Warner Brothers, I think, shoot quite a bit of their stuff, such as the block all on Canon. Um, and it's a choice that they've made and invested in. Yeah. Uh, you've got the shows of like MasterChef and MKR that are shot on Sony. Um, but, you know, clearly distinctive parties have chosen their, their flavor. Yeah. Um, for their show. And don't get me wrong, you shoot log, you shoot flat, you can make a camera look. Can make it look pretty good. Just something funny about that image. I can't. There's that. another topic in itself: shooting log <laughs> for everything. Which yeah, is it needed? Eight bit cameras. You've got to do it. Yeah. <laughs> look, you look at if the F5 and I said the FS7. They've got an option. They've got a few other options internally. And one of them is like Hyper Gamma Seven, which I love. Mm. It's for a reality TV show. If you didn't have the budget for grading, you'd perfect. shoot. You'd yeah. shoot it. It's perfect. 
so convicted um, democratization with like black magic doing what they're doing so you know x right color charts you're talking about yeah. shooting logs so you can shoot logs shooting x right color chart it's actually built into davinci resolve yeah and it's very easy to get your first technical pass for so you may, say you've got mixed cameras under the same lighting conditions to get it to a standardized point before yeah. making all those other secondary creative decisions it's interesting too because there's a prolific number of LUTs being bounced all around the internet. I don't sure. think that people really understand what LUTs are and how to use them. I think that they think it's a magic bullet of creating a nice look, whether it's a technical or creative LUT. Yeah, I've, I've never found that. I've found that um, they might be an interesting start point to your to your color grade, but they're not really they're not going to give you you know you can't apply it to any piece of footage and it will come out with an amazing result because every piece of footage is different you know that's the problem i wanted the lut that's for the right camera and the right profile provided so that i can get that footage to my my first light that's the purpose mm. of a lut for me and yep. then i can grade with as much latitude as i need yeah it's it's something that i'm hoping that will become better well known in the industry because i think there's a lot of confusion at the moment that, around that. it but if you're a cameraman shooting you don't worry about any of that no it's, but a, it's a post thing but i need the cameraman <laughs> to to worry about it but i don't think they're told to shoot log though <laughs> logs is the lazy man sort of way of shooting yeah <laughs> so. yeah 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 so you shoot log and flat and you hand yeah, it over yeah, yeah. Yeah. just don't worry about the exposure <laughs> right. fix it in post yeah <laughs> Looking at colour matching between different grading systems, though, one of the NAB announcements that I wanted to touch on was um, film convert Cinematch. Oh, yeah. So have you guys had a... Did you guys see this? No, I haven't seen that. Okay, so it's software to basically match uh, different cameras. So camera matching sucks. This is their announcement. Everyone who's ever edited anything can tell you that Cinematch provides a solution in which the video above we... And I'll give you this link as well as all the other links that we've been talking about. We see a demonstration of a piece of software that takes footage from a Panasonic GH5, a Fuji X-T2 and a Sony A7S and an iPhone and matches them in about six seconds. So color matching is basically where you can get all these different flavors of capture and get them to the same base point. And then whatever grades that you apply, you're not having to tweak them. To so the they're creating camera. LUTs, basically. Basically, they're creating LUTs. See my little <laughs> yeah, tie yeah, I, saw, I saw it there. I saw it. <laughs> Such a way. So Such smooth. <laughs> but I was, when I looked at this, I was like, that was the one feature that I loved in speed grade. And mm. then Adobe sort of, when Lumetri panel was available in Premiere, they stopped being able to send to speed grade. And that's the one feature that hasn't come over. This is going to be available in Premiere. Oh, cool. So they're sort of uh, filling up that, that gap. Um, obviously, it still relies on having a standardized, um, how do you put this? So we talk about, I talk about like X-Rite color charts, and that's a great way of going mm. and taking multiple cameras and getting it to a technical correct lock point. point. It's, it's yeah. not the same thing that it's being shot on each camera. That's correct. Yeah. So I'm guessing that would, does this particular software, from your knowledge, 
require that beforehand or is it just it works it out it works it out as far as this is saying and you look at the video it doesn't even look that good (laughs) (laughs) i'm not talking about the product i'm talking about the footage the woman looks all blue and gross (laughs) yeah okay they're showing how quickly they can bring different cameras to the same look wow yeah so there isn't a link, I'm not even sure when it's going to be out, but I will be trying that because what we are finding is that there are lots of B cameras and C cameras that aren't the same as your A camera. Mm, yeah. And creating a look and then trying to adjust it for each of those cameras in the different lighting environments, it can become yeah. a nightmare. And that's yeah. Yeah, coming back to uh, the whole, that's what I've been doing currently with clients is um, educating them about those X-Rite color charts, but that might be a great alternative mm. um, to doing that or it might be a great uh, companion yeah i just wonder you know because there are you know for instance a lot of people with f5s will have a a7s or something you know as a a b camera yeah and and if you shoot them both s-log3 they're very difficult to match (laughs) yes very much (laughs) very very difficult to match um so you know i just wonder how possible it is you know as such because the, the even cameras within the same manufacturer have quite different um kind of color science with inside them if we took an iphone as an example and basically had a you had a bunch of them and you averaged out the color differences between mm-hmm. you know you can create a lot directly from that i guess they'll just have, yeah uh, i guess that's what they'll, they'll be looking at yeah they've already got some of that information about how the camera's internal white balance works for example mm. and it knows that that's roughly the where it, where it basically pushes white to. I really did have a high hope for ACES because of that point where the cam- camera ma- manufacturers should be able to know where in reality to the real world their cameras are recording from. Yeah. Yep. It's, a, it's available on a few things. So Once again, it's an educational thing though. People yeah. have got to be aware of it and know what it is and I don't think everyone knows what ACES is still. So. No, that's true. I mean, Blackmagic got their own. They have got everything basically incorporated into their DaVinci, but um, they've also got their own Blackmagic color management tool built into it, which works really, really well. Yeah, it's hard to fault what they're doing. No, <laughs> yeah. King of NAB, I they think, is uh, Blackmagic. Well, there's no magic camera announcements. There's obviously a bunch of lenses that are coming out prior and then during there's a new lens manufacturer I came across uh, yeah, for the first year, Sony haven't announced the camera. No, only firmware upgrades. <laughs> Canon didn't do that either. No. Uh, no Panasonic can. touted something. Yeah, yeah. well, they're, they're going to. Um, well, yeah, you know, Canon, Canon were really getting a lot of pressure to release a new C100 Mark III, uh, 4K. Everybody already made up the specs before before NAB and... and um, you know, lots of rumours going around the, the net, but nothing. nothing they did, Canon. however. Uh, one of the things, actually, one of the other things I'll t- um, talk about is they've released. So they released prior to NAB the eighteen to eighty, which yep. is an EF mount um, yep. with a built-in servo. Yep. They've now finally finished that off now with the seventy to two hundred mil, which gives us such a great range. If you as a you know, uh, owner operator of like, a camera, you're going to have at least a par focal lens with servo control. Well, there's actually an optional hand grip if you if you need it. <laughs> Um, yeah, T4.4 um, does work with the Sony FS7s and A7Ss with a Metabones adapter, yep. including autofocus functionality. Wow. Um, I don't believe, I think on the A7S, the start-stop button does work on the hand grip. It just doesn't work with the FS7 or potentially the FS5 either. Awesome. 
Well, NAB is um, the largest trade show of the year, and it's a huge calendar event for new release announcements of what will be coming out in the near future. It's also a huge party time for those in the industry. <laughs> um, nah, it's hard work, mate. <laughs> yeah, I can tell. It's like the mecca for uh, video professionals, so I, I hope to go one day. Uh, unfortunately, this year I missed out on Mixmaster Mike, who was at the uh, Metal. He was mixing some tunes with some VR experiences, so... Some interesting other events that happen at NAB. There's lots of great content out there as well. Maxon, for one, has a lot of great presenters and they provide that on Cineversity of presenters showing work and workflows and tutorials and training. There's so much other information. We'll be releasing this on the Facebook group as well as our other social media sites. With all these links over the next couple of weeks... Guys, um, before we wrap up, was there any other sort of highlights that you wanted to talk about from the show? Hmm, on the Final Cut Pro side, I mean, the the Faster Together and Luma Forge um, have got their own little sort of presentation suite away from the main main floor. Um, Which is a trend at yeah, NAB, isn't it? The little splitter kind of um, organisations. Yeah, so basically having hotel rooms where they are outside the conference venue, but they are doing Close a by. lot of events. We're inviting, um, some of them are open, some of them you have to reserve, some are invite, but these are becoming just as popular as the show floor. For sure, yeah, yeah. And what uh, that was the Luma Forge. What was that product? As the jellyfish, jellyfish, wasn't it? Yeah, which is like a um, a box that that can connect several editors together um, for Final Cut Pro weeks, which has been yeah, a little bit of premier. an issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, it, yeah. They did have some premiere editors actually showcasing that. Yeah, yeah. Much so, to the begrudge and, of Chris Fenwick. Yeah, <laughs> and um, and they showed some Resolve. Um, uh, features there as well, so yeah, it was they're sort of trying to keep it fairly, you know, because the product can be used for any edit edit system, but they're sort of focusing on Final Cut, I guess. I've, I look to be honest for myself, I think Black Magic for me and the DaVinci yeah, Resolve, Black, it's, yeah, it's that, for me the biggest thing so the show, far. That's um, the really. But in saying that, there's a lot of other smaller stuff that I'm still yet to catch up on and read up on yeah. and figure what's going on, and also waiting for my colleague Stuart. Uh, Barnaby to get back from NAB to have a really good catch up we've had some brief conversations mm. um, but yeah uh, hopefully what, we can get Stu on the show when he gets back sometime yeah definitely definitely I think uh, we'll have a follow up show with Stu and he can give some insights from on the show floor because yep. we're all stuck in Auckland still <laughs> <laughs> yeah totally yeah. We should have made out that we were um, broadcasting from a hotel across the road. and <laughs> Actually, live from Las Vegas comes the Pro Video Podcast. <laughs> Thanks so much, Chris, for coming into the studio and uh, covering your highlights from the 2017 NAB show. More than welcome. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's been an absolute pleasure. And thanks, John, for coming in again. No problem. Thanks for having me. We'll be repeating the show every year because NAB is every April and it is really a focus for the industry to see what's going to be emerging for the year and it really does set the trend of what's important to the industry and its growth. So thanks for listening and I'll catch you next week. Bye. Hope you all enjoyed that show. If I could ask you to do me a special favour. 
If you could subscribe through iTunes, download, and leave a rating and review for this show, I'd really appreciate it. If you could do that for me, it will really help others to find the show. I have no idea how Apple and iTunes make this all work, but I do know that if you leave a rating or review and subscribe and download, that does make a big impact. Also, if you want to check out heaps of other great content, go to worldpodcast.com. They have fantastic shows. Also, check out podcast.nz. If you want to find the show notes for this show and all the others, go to worldpodcast.com as well. Or go to the Facebook page. Like that too. That also helps. Search for us on Instagram and Twitter. And you can find me at Blair Walker on either Twitter or Instagram too. Again, thanks for listening. Bye.